You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 160. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. So we had a really great conversation last week about how our mind is programmed, that nothing is wrong with us, that it's all part of this human condition. And I'm going to dive into how our minds attach meanings to words, how our how our the psychology of this this meaning that we're attaching to things. Because I think it's extremely important to wrap this part of the conversation up. We've discussed, you know, am I an alcoholic versus I am an addiction recovery. We've, we've discussed um, the programming, our impact tree. We've discussed the hub and permanence. I mean, we have framing and reframing. I mean, the last 10 episodes or so have just been profound as far as this philosophy of how our minds create the meaning that it does inside of our own heads. And uh, next week, yeah, definitely by the end of this month, and we're in April now, I'm going to explain to you guys, uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the six human needs. I'm giving, getting ready to put on an amazing presentation at the Recovery Village. Um, if you ever wanted an opportunity to, to see me put on a presentation, I'm going to put that link over in my social media so that you guys, you know, it's a, it's a free registration. It's for an addiction recovery center people who are you know doing great work and I'm excited to be able to put on this presentation and I'm going to wrap it all up around the six human needs because this certainty this um variety love and connection significance growth and contribution these six human needs are how we attach meaning to the things that we do or don't do in our own minds and when you attach three or more of those to anything that you're doing in your life, the propensity for it to turn into something you do regularly uh, begins to elevate. And it is certainly if you attach three, four, five, six of them to something like we did with our addiction, then all of a sudden it becomes an addiction. It becomes a, a very deeply ingrained habit. And so I'm going to go into that because that's going to take it out of the philosophical and it's going to bring it more into the tangible. But in order for me to wrap up this part of the philosophical conversation we've been having over the last few weeks, I think it's imperative that while I spent an inordinate amount of time last week discussing certain words, skillful, unskillful, healthy, unhealthy, desirable, undesirable, good, bad, do, be, easy, hard, right? I've covered these so much. And for those of you who are 160 episodes in, certainly you realize that I am very mindful of the words I use to you because I want us to begin to understand the triggering that certain words have. You're an addict versus I'm in sobriety. The meanings that we have attached to those, very different. And it's because of these pictures in our mind, there's the words we say to ourselves, the, the, the kinesthetic, how we feel about certain things, how like perhaps the, 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 coarseness, the nature of how it would feel in our hands, right? We also have auditory, how something sounds, the visual component, how something looks in our minds. Is there a taste or a smell associated with it? And then what's your inner self-talk? What are you saying to yourself about these words, about the meanings that you've attached to these words? Something easy or hard? That's all perception. Easy and hard is absolutely a perception thing. 
I might think it's extremely easy to change a tire because I've changed 20 of them. You might think it's extremely hard to change a tire because you've never changed one or in the past when you did it, things didn't go well. But either way, the behavior, the action, the activity of changing a tire still is whatever it is. It, it, you still got to loosen the lug nuts, jack the car up, take the tire off, put the new tire on, you know, uh, lower the jack down, tighten the lug nuts. It's, it's, you know, and even then it's like, if I don't explain how far you should be lowering the car up and down when you're loosening t- lug nuts, you might think, no, you should tighten them while the car's up. Yeah. And then you could shake the entire car and then the, the jack could collapse. And now you're even in a bigger mess of trouble. Easy or hard is all perception. Something good or bad, it's all perception. Somebody might say, man, you know, I haven't, I haven't used meth in, in, in 14 hours. That's really good. And you might be like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Meth is horrible. Meth is going to kill you. Meth is bad. And that person might have been somebody who was using meth every hour on the hour for the last 20 years. And for them to go 14 hours, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But to you, you're like, are you kidding me? Shouldn't be using it at all. But for them, it's profound. For them, it's amazing. For them, it means something that they were able to go 14 hours. Right? Oh, man, I went out drinking last night. I only had five beers. And somebody who gets wasted off of one might think five beers is insane. But that person who just drank five beers, 50 might have been what they needed to get buzzed. It's all perception. Good, bad, right, wrong, skinny, fat, stupid, ugly. All of them, it's all perception of what that word has meaning in your mind. The programming that happens at a young age, right? We're, we're told that, you know, uh, red ink pens um, have a negative connotation to them because teachers use them to grade, right? And so, you know, so some teachers have changed the color of the pen. But either way, if my answer is wrong, my answer is wrong. You're going to mark an X over it and tell me the right answer. Either way, I didn't get it right. The color of the pen is just the color of the pen. Either way, you have to alert me to the fact that, you know, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? And if I put 1492 and the answer is 1776, either way, you're going to put an X by 1492 and you're going to want me to know it was 1776. The color of the pen is just the meaning we've attached to the color of the pen. Getting the answer wrong, I could feel like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why do I answer things so dumb? I'm never going to get anything right. I'm just a loser. Or I could say, oh, okay, interesting. I got when Columbus sailed the ocean blue mixed up with when John Hancock slapped his big-ass signature on the Declaration of Independence. Cool. Now I know it's 1776. Sweet. Moving forward, I'll make sure that I remember that. Right? I could choose to see it as bad, or I could just choose to see it as a learning opportunity. And we talk about this a lot with problem versus solution opportunity. When I say, man, that's a problem, how are we going to fix a problem? If all you do is focus on the problem, then how are you ever going to see the solution? So I get us to start using words like, oh, it's not a problem. It's a solution opportunity because there's a shift in the mindset. When it's a solution opportunity, our mind hears, oh, it's an opportunity to find a solution. Cool. Let's do that. Oh, we got this problem, right? Then our mind just circles around on the problem. The tire's flat. The tire's flat. The tire's flat, Right? If we don't think about solutions, well, we could get a spare, we could call AAA, we could flag somebody down, we could push the car into a ditch and just give up on it and just walk it somewhere else and buy a new car. Like If we didn't start to think about the solutions that this opportunity has now presented us and all we think about is the problem, we don't move forward on figuring this out. 
It's like our addiction. We can keep circling around, like, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. Right? The solution is, well, let's get, some, let's get some sobriety under our belt. Let's start to heal the traumas and the wounds from our past. Whatever it was that, that led us down this path, let's figure that out. Let, let's, let's get that out of the closet. Let's shine a light on it. Let's pull it out of the shadows and let's heal through it, right? And let's, then let's leave the negative emotions and, and whatnot back there with the trauma where it belongs in the past. And let's use the lesson. Let's use the teaching and, and let's, you know, use it to invigorate us now. Use it to become our power, our strength now. Yes, bad, bad stuff happened to all of us at some point in our lives. Are we going to use that as fuel to be a better version of ourselves? Or are we going to let it become this anchor around our neck that just drags us down into the abyss? It's our choice because we're attaching meaning to that event. And then that meaning we've attached to the event, the more we think about it, it just gets screwed in. It gets screwed in so deep that all of a sudden it's like a sequoia tree's roots. It's going, you know, just as far up as a tree will will climb it can be just as far deep down as the roots will go so if we've created this entire monstrosity of why we're an addict what's led us here and we just keep spiraling on that how are we going to reach ourselves towards the clouds we can begin to use new more bountiful nutrients to fuel our lives and yes traumas happen to us like the rings of a tree they're there they're there on the inside, but you only see the external bark. You see the leaves and you see the fruit that the tree produces now. Is that fruit healthy and delicious or is it bitter and, and toxic? This is that soup metaphor I've talked about in the past. Right? We're, we're adding ingredients into our soup and we don't get to take ingredients out. We don't take things out that have happened to us. We don't take things out that we've done. But we begin to attach new meaning to it. Yes, when I was a kid, I remember stealing money out of my grandma's purse so that I could go to the 7-Eleven and I could buy Coca-Cola and I could go to Long John Silver's and I could buy these little fried, like these, the, when they fried fish, there would be like in the grease, there would be these little frozen, they're not frozen, fried up um, batter balls. And they'd put them in this big window container when you walked in and you could get like a huge scoop of them for like a dollar or two. And then we would go to the 7-Eleven and get a a bottle of Coca-Cola and we would go to the construction sites and break things. I was a bit of a, a bit of a recluse whenever I was seven years old. All right. So I can see stealing my money out of my grandmother's purse as bad. I was a bad, bad kid, but I wasn't a bad kid. My behavior was me doing bad things. When we accept the person and seek to change the behavior, it shifts the entire meaning around what it is they're doing. Accept the person for who they are, but if the behavior is bad, let's figure out ways to shift the behavior. Let's figure out ways to show them new ways of behaving. Sitting there and yelling at a kid that they're bad because they spilled the milk doesn't change the fact that the milk was spilled. Say, okay, not great in the future. How about you keep the, the glass upright? How about you keep the glass firmly in your hand and we'll clean up this mess now. You're not a bad kid. You just did something that is not as preferred. That is, that you, could, you could say that the kid did something bad, but that in itself is a meaning you've attached to dropping the milk. It was an accident. It's not like a cat sitting on top of a table who looks at you dead on and then knocks the glass off. They know what they're doing. We, they're not an idiot. They know that that glass is going to hit the ground and it's going to break and it's going to create a mess and they're going to watch you clean it up. And I don't know why they do it, but they do it. Maybe it's just fun for them, whatever. But we've attached a meaning to that behavior 
right? Some people see it as an opportunity to videotape it and throw it on TikTok and get 14 million views, right? Now, all of a sudden, they're like, well, I hope the cat knocks something else off the cabinet today. That'll get me another 14 million views, right? But if you're not trying to get views out of it, you might just think your cat's a dick for knocking things off the cabinet all the time. It's the meanings we're attaching to the behaviors. It's the meanings we're attaching to words that is creating this internal representation, this internal picture, sight, sound, taste, smell. It's creating this, this version of reality in our head. So if I say something's bad or good, those are just words. Those are just words. On paper, they, yes, they have definitions, but that's the definitions. Those are the meanings we've decided to attach to them. Whether that word used at you or toward you is going to create an emotional trigger in you, that's your choice. That is your choice. Calling myself an addict at a meeting, it's my choice to not want to do that. It's also my choice to get triggered by that. I realize that. I realize that I have attached meaning to the word, I am an addict, to the phrase, I am an addict, rather than I have alcoholism, I am an addiction recovery. I realize I've attached meaning to that. This isn't lost on me. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing this episode now, because after I railed against I am an addict versus I'm an addiction recovery, right? As, uh, after last week, when I railed against good, bad, right, wrong, I laid down in bed and I, I almost unposted episode 159 because I realized in that episode, I didn't discuss how all we've really done is just attach a meaning to a word. And we could just as easily dissociate from the meaning and shift it to something more impactful or empowering. But that in itself is just changing the meaning so that now we've given it another meaning. So it's just, it's so important that I I express this and whether it falls on deaf ears or whether you embrace it, however it is, that all of these are just meanings, right? I could say, you know, fat has a bad connotation to it. There's a bad meaning to that. But if you lived in a society that was constantly starving and all of a sudden you found tons of food and everybody was able to get fat, I guarantee you the meaning around, oh my God, we are all so fat would have completely different connotations to it, would have completely different energy around it. We were all a starving society. Now we're all fully well nourished. And in fact, we've put on more weight than we probably should have. Right. And again, probably is is, there's even meaning attached to that. Who says that you put on too much weight? Who says that we shouldn't be a fat society? Right now, if food runs out, at least we all have a bunch of fat to live off of. And that's the, that's the meaning that society could have put on, wow, we all just gained 100 pounds, but you know what? We were all just starving last year. It's all meaning. Being, you know, back in the day, you know, and this, you know, we're talking about, you know, when kings and queens were running the world and, and wooden ships were traveling everywhere and colonizing, you know, to have weight on you was a sign of some level of wealth because food was not as abundant as it is now. You know, not being cold all the time or hot all the time was a sign of wealth because that meant that you were able to have some level of protection from the elements built into your homestead. This is way before heaters and air conditions existed, right? You you see some of the King Henry VIII or whatever, and big old fat jolly guy wearing a bunch of clothes, or even in the middle of the summer. It's like, yeah, because he was living in a castle that was built to you know keep some level of climate control in place, and he was taking money from all the taking food and money from all the peasants and living the big fat high life. 
That was a sign of something back then. Now we see overweight as a different sign of irresponsibility or gluttony. When it's just the meaning that was attached to it. Now we have food everywhere. So now if you're constantly eating food and your weight isn't quote unquote appropriate based on society's determination, right? Now the meaning has changed. 500 years ago, it was one thing to be fat. Now it's a different thing. So, oh, I see, I see, I see. So, because society decided to change its meaning around that word, now all of a sudden I just have to conform to the new meaning. When, hey, you know what? Uh, My dad was 600 pounds and I'm only 300 pounds. So, hey, pretty damn good for me, right? Seen through a different lens, all of a sudden it has different meaning. Hey, you know, uh, my relative was... Uh, crazy drug addict and spent years in prison and he did this, that, and the other. So, hey, I just drink 20 beers a day. I'm better than him, right? Okay, maybe so, maybe not. But again, better, worse, that's all meanings being attached to a circumstance that's occurred in your life. You determine if not going to prison and being a crazy drug addict your whole life, but still drinking 20 beers is good or bad. Right? Are you living the life that you've always desired? Are you connected to your loved ones? Are you present in your own life? Do you have ambition? Do you seek to add new skills to your repertoire? Do you read cool new things that expand your mind? Are you doing those things and you're still drinking 20 beers? Okay, somebody might have a hard time telling you that you need to change your life if everything seems hunky-dory and you're still able to consume that much alcohol. But what we have seen, historical evidence has shown that drinking 20 beers a day for a prolonged period of time is going to drastically reduce the likelihood that you're reading cool books, that you're present with your family, that you're loving yourself, that you're seeking to add new skills, that you're saving money, that your home is clean, that you're, that you're expanding your world and getting promotions at work. We've seen the long-term effects of alcohol and drugs on people that it does not lead. The story has already been written enough times that we're pretty sure we know the ending. Because if there was a different way for the ending to play out, some people out there would have figured it out and started to spread that. Hey, I figured out a way to do all the cocaine you want and still be massively successful in life and never have to worry about anything bad happening to you. Probably not. So somebody figured that out. They'd sell it in a book. I know you think I'm being crazy right now, but I assure you, if somebody had figured it out, you know, the 21 easiest ways to always be wasted and still succeed at life. Is that book on the shelves? No. (laughs) Because realistically, you spend one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years consistently getting wasted and your life is going to fall apart. Things aren't going to go well. It's, there's enough data to show us that. So we can attach meanings to words, and we can also look at the patterns that have been established in society around certain behaviors. So you can say, okay, Jesse, so you're saying that, you know, if I could figure out a way to live my best life and still be wasted all the time, then I should be trying to seek that out. I have a feeling you've already been trying to. I have a feeling I did. For 22 years, I changed my environment. I would hit the gym. I would, I would learn how to talk more emotionally connected with my friends and my family and my loved ones. I would learn new things about the body and the mind and the spirit. And I would ex- seek to expand myself. And I thought, well, surely this is going to be the key that's going to unlock the door to my highest sense of self. That's going to bring me to living the life that I've always desired. 
And no matter how many things I try to add into my backpack of life, my skills and my habits, no matter how many things I tried to add, the one thing that was taking up the most space in that backpack, in my backpack, I call this whole thing backpack skills of life. Like you just keep adding skills to your backpack of life. It's these things you carry with you that allow you to be who you are. But in some cases, it actually holds you back too. Because the thing in my backpack of life that that was taking up the most space was alcohol and drugs. And as I slowly began to wean off the drugs, alcohol just took more and more space up in that backpack until there was barely room for anything else. And I kept thinking, no, no, no. Okay, you know what? I'll only drink on Saturdays or I'll only drink on days that have a reason to celebrate. And that'll be fine. But the mind around the act of wanting to use, it was still spinning around that. So I might take seven or 14 or 21 days off, but my mind always knew that there was a a finish line to be I was going to be able to go back to the way I used to behave. By detaching the meaning of my life being to be wasted, to be, um, to be, you know, doing exotic things all the time and to constantly be seeking a life outside the box. When I detached my meaning I had around that and decided to attach the meaning around sobriety that I would be able to expand. I would have a clear mind. I would have a clear heart. I would be more open to other people, places, and things because I would be experiencing them as myself, even though I wasn't even really sure who I was because I'd spent so many years as an addict, so many years drinking that I wasn't even really sure that once I took alcohol and drugs out of the equation that I would even know who I was. But I was so willing to sacrifice who I was then in order to to experience who I could become that I made those decisions to change the meanings I had around my behaviors, my thoughts, and my actions. It was that important to me. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes the sacrifice. I posted that on Instagram today because it's true. If you don't sacrifice the meaning you have around certain words, then what you want for your life will be what you sacrifice. You can choose for the word good or bad to, to trigger you. You could just like you can choose to have addict or addiction trigger you, just like you could have sobriety and recovery trigger you. It's all meanings that we're attaching. When I look back at who I was, I'm not thrilled with that version of Jesse, but he was a damn good dude most of the time. He was friendly, he, he, he was supportive, he was loving, he was kind. He tried to help people as much as he possibly could in whatever state of mind he happened to wake up in every day. Did I let people down? Absolutely. Did I lie, cheat, and steal and hurt people? Absolutely. Did I necessarily mean to do it all the time? No. Was I having my uh, behaviors and my actions and, and my life influenced by uh, whatever I was high on that day? Create the life I was living? Absolutely. Did I actively seek to choose a different path? Fuck yeah, I did. Was it easy? Oh no. Oh no. No, it was not. Somebody was on a, on a client call with me recently and they asked me, they're like, you know, did you, you know, did, were you able to quit the first time that you tried? And my initial reaction was, yeah, because, and I, and, I, and I said, yes, yes. The first time I really, really tried to quit was the last time I quit. And it, it occurred to me then the way I answered the question was, was, was not being articulated as well as I figured out that it could have been. Yes, the first time I 
quit was the last time I quit because none of the other times did I really think I was quitting. Did I really think I was stopping? Sure, I moved to Los Angeles, stopped smoking three cigarettes three days after I got there, barely drank any alcohol, didn't smoke weed, didn't do any drugs for the first year and a half. But I didn't really think that I quit using. I just knew, decided I wasn't going to do it because when I moved to LA, I wanted to be a different version of myself. But it was really dry sobriety. I was being a dry drunk because I wasn't seeking to heal myself. I mean, yeah, I went to therapy, but I wasn't really seeking to expand myself outside of my current uh, points of view, my current ways of thinking. I was really just not using, knowing one day I could just as easily go back to using if I chose to. And I did. I took up smoking cigarettes again. And when somebody who had never seen me smoke a cigarette said, huh, never seen you smoke. Why'd you, why'd you decide to take that up? My response was, well, you know, I did it for about 18 or 19 years and I'm really just smoking now so I can go back to binge drinking. And that's exactly what I did. And it almost killed me. It took me six years, seven years to get back to that place of, of, of near death, but eventually I went back there. Because I didn't really try to change anything about myself as much as I just took something out without filling in the, the, filling in the vastness that, that taking alcohol and drugs created. Yes, I started to take improv classes and became a stand-up comedian and, you know, got a job, um, uh, got a job at a really fancy hotel, right? But those things didn't necessarily dictate that I wasn't going to go back to hardcore drinking. They just became things that I did to fill my time between when I stopped and when I was going to start again. The big shift and the reason why this, why when somebody says, you know, it's the first time you quit, the, did, it, did it take? Did you ever relapse after the first time? I consider the first time I really meant to quit, the first time I really meant for it to mean something to me was on January 12th of 2017. That's when I actually knew that this was going to be the time that I put maximum effort into it. So it was the first time I really quit, I really tried to quit the, the first, you know, the, the last time. Absolutely. I haven't relapsed from that time because I was it. I was, that was it. I know what it feels like to wake up in a bathtub filled, filled with my own filthy water. What it feels like to go to the bathroom and see my pee is dark, dark, dark brown. Like my kidneys are about ready to revolt. I don't want that anymore. There's nothing there for me anymore. That life is gone. In its place, I filled it with this massive amount of abundance. And am I still figuring things out? Fuck yeah, I am. Fuck yeah, I am. But that's what we're, I mean, we're all just spiritual beings having a human experience. So figuring things out as we go is, I mean, that's part of the joys of being human. Now, do you see it as a joy? Are you attaching that meaning to this? Or do you see it as a negative? Like, God, I just want to figure, I just want to figure all this out. I want my life to be perfect. I want to have a million dollars in the bank, stocks and crypto and fancy cars. And I want, you know, my spouse or partner to always agree with me and never push back. Okay. I mean, sure. You can live in that fantasy land, but I can assure you even the people who have the fancy cars and the fancy houses aren't getting everything they want. Money doesn't buy us happiness or anything of the sort. It might provide opportunities for more happiness, but if we've attached certain meanings to money, and then all of a sudden we get a ton of money and we realize, oh, wow, you mean I'm living from the inside out, that happiness is on the inside and it can't be found externally? Well, son of a gun, somebody should have told me that. Oh, wait, oh, wait, Jesse's been telling me that since episode one. Happiness is found on the inside. And what happiness is to you is all about a meaning that you're attaching to the things that are happening around you. 
I could say that your behavior is good or bad. I could call you skinny or fat. I could tell you that your shoes are stupid or ugly. But if you don't attach meaning to any of my words and you don't really care what my opinion is, it doesn't matter whether I called you good or bad, skinny or fat, ugly shoes or nice shoes. It doesn't matter. It only matters if you've put a level of importance on my words towards you, your behavior, your actions, what you wear. If you've attached no meaning to it, then it doesn't matter what anyone says to you, let alone me. You determine the meaning that you attach to words. Yes, I do not want to call myself an addict. Right? I can call myself, okay, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. I don't get an emotional charge out of that. I'm, hey, I'm Jesse, I'm an addict. I don't have an emotional charge when I say that. I just don't want to call myself that. I am as an identity level statement. And I know what identity level statements do to the unconscious mind. I know how the unconscious mind hears them, and I know how the unconscious mind can experience them. I've done enough studying to at least have a good idea of that. So I don't want my conscious mind telling my unconscious mind information that I just don't want to, I just do not want to consider my truth. Were my, was I an addict in the past? Yes. Am I now actively in addiction recovery? Yes. Do I have alcoholism? Yes. Do I think for a minute that I would ever be able to go back in a heartbeat to the way things used to be and somehow be able to, you know, control that, you know, gigantic freaking Stegosaurus in the China shop? No. And I don't even have any energy or desire to even try to figure that out. No, 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 no. And this is what I'm, what I'm growing you all toward. And I, and I say this, and this is why we're going to talk about six human needs here in the next week or two, because the meaning you attach to those six human needs is either going to fuel you towards sobriety and recovery or back into addiction and alcoholism. We have a choice here. It's easy, hard. Is, it, is, is sobriety and recovery easy or is it hard? It's all in your mindset around it. It's all in the, what do you decide in the moment to attach meaning to what it is you're experiencing? If you get triggered and it brings about anger and you think, ah, oh, I wish I'm just going to go back out and, and get drunk because at least when I was drunk, I didn't have to deal with these emotions. You were dealing with them. It was just in a different way. Blindly, passively, aggressively. You were dealing with them, but you weren't healing through them. Constantly muting ourselves and trying to hide from whatever it was that was hurting us is that doesn't serve us any good. Your soul's on a journey. You can either figure some of it out now or you can figure some of it out later, but one way or another, you're going to figure it out. It's just whether it happens, at least this is my opinion. I believe in reincarnation. I'm either going to, I am either going to figure this out now or I'm going to figure it out later. I did used to think that the whole reason I got sober, that was the whole journey of my soul was to get sober was to be battling addiction for 20 plus years and to get sober. But then I realized, oh my God, I've got like another 40 years of life left ahead of me. So overcoming addiction and getting sober couldn't have just been the only purpose of this run around in life as this version of me. Like clearly there's something else. So I began to learn. I began to expand my life. And then I started to realize I could teach other people how to expand their lives. Is that my purpose? I don't know. I'm only 46. There could be another 17 things that happen between here and death that lead me to believe that my purpose is something other than what I think it is now. But I know what I'm doing now is leading me towards my highest sense of self. Is what you're doing right now leading you toward your highest sense of self? 
what meaning are you attaching to getting your steps every day or eating healthy? Or what meaning are you attaching to sitting on the couch every day and not seeking to eat healthy? Do you fill your body full of poisonous foods all the time and then wonder why you're tired and sluggish and dehydrated? All right. Or do you fill your body with healthy foods all the time and you still feel tired and sluggish and dehydrated? Okay, let's shift some things around the behavior, but it's the meaning we're attaching to our actions and our behaviors and the words we use toward ourselves in our own mind that's dictating the experience that we have. If you don't have a charge around good or bad, then it doesn't really matter whether you're using those on yourself or not to describe what it is you're doing. But if you have a charge around stupid versus smart and you call yourself stupid, then you're telling your unconscious mind you're stupid. So when opportunities to step into doing something that would be considered smart arise and you've told yourself you're stupid for so many years, you're not going to feel comfortable stepping into an opportunity to prove how smart you are. This is why words matter. This is why I believe no matter how much we're consciously aware that our thoughts and the words we use and the meanings that they have are being decided by us, no matter how much we're consciously aware of that, it doesn't change the fact that it's going to continue to happen. It's like the six human needs. I'm not introducing you to anything that you don't already know. You have been living your life through the six human needs since you came out of the womb. Hell, you were living them inside the womb. As soon as you came out, all of a sudden you were more actively participatory in your life and these were still happening to you. The six human needs were happening to you, still happening to you, happening with you, happening for you, happening against you. It's all the meaning you associate with what is happening to you, around you, with you, for you. It's all it's all the meaning you attach to it. By introducing it to you and bringing it into your conscious awareness doesn't mean that I just invented it. It just means that I have now shown you a light to see it perhaps from a different lens, from a different perspective, whatever that might be, it doesn't change the fact that it was already there. I might introduce you to a foreign language. I didn't just invent the foreign language. The language was already there. I just opened up a book and started to show you Korean. But I didn't invent Korean. I just brought your awareness to the fact that the Korean language exists. Much like what we discuss in this show, most of this stuff, I'm just pulling out of the shadows and illuminating it. Whether you decide to put it back in a drawer and close it up and let it live in the darkness, or whether you keep illuminating it for yourself when we get off of these episodes, that's up to you. What meaning do you attach to listening to these episodes? For some people in my tribe, they've attached a great deal of meaning to it. And then they go off and they actively take the, what they've learned and they apply it and they evaluate it. And now they go off and they're, they're, you know, they're Zeus and they're in, they're in bodybuilding competitions. They go off and, and they start their own podcast. They parent more presently. They have more connective communication opportunities and actions with their spouse and their partner and their children. They go off and they do things with it. Because the application of the knowledge is where the power lies, not in just learning something. What meaning are you attaching to all of this? And just because all of a sudden I, I, I introduce you to a way to reduce the charge of the word bad and increase the positive charge of the word good doesn't necessarily change anything about those words being used around you, toward you, for you. You can change the meaning all of you want, but it doesn't mean that that word all of a sudden has a different definition. It still will mean whatever it means to society at large. 
but what it does to you internally, that's where you can create the shift because that's what you can control. You control how things feel inside of you. You choose. You could just easily say, you know what? Somebody can call me a bad person. I know I'm not overall bad. I know that some of my behaviors have not been good. Some people might label them as bad. Okay, it's what I did. How can I make amends for it now? How can I begin to start behaving differently so I can feel better about myself? These are things that you can control. How other people internalize your behaviors and your words is in their own mind. They're attaching their own meaning. I can hope I come on here and say awesome stuff and it uplifts your life and it inspires you to, to go off and motivate yourself for change, but I only get you for 167, for 30, to 40, 30 minutes to an hour, let's say. So over the rest of the week, there's 167 to 167 and a half hours left for you to decide what you're going to do in your life. If you think that you're healthy or unhealthy or you're fat or you're skinny, it's all your perception. It's all the meaning you've attached to certain words to describe yourself. You can actively choose to change those words, to shift them in your own mind so that they feel differently, but the words still are just the words. Nothing has meaning until our mind attaches meaning to it. Our behaviors, our actions, our values, our beliefs, our opinions, environments, time, space, all these filters we use to filter out the 2.3 million bits of data that come at us through our five senses on any given second of our lives, we're attaching meaning to that. And we're, we're either get, being consciously aware of it or it's going back into the unconscious mind where 99.999% of all of our memories live. The meaning you're attaching to things, that's all on you. You can choose a different meaning for yourself that will change the trigger. It'll change the energy you have around that word, around that behavior. For the rest of society, it doesn't necessarily change anything. But we're not worried about the rest of society. We're worried about us. We're focused on how are we going to shift ourselves to a more empowered state. By shifting ourselves to a more empowered state, that will naturally, through osmosis, through... um, Influence, it, it, will, it will show people a different way to behave around us. It will show people a different way to talk with us. It'll introduce diff- to people to a new behavior system that they've seen us incorporate into our lives. Therefore, they've now realized, wow, if Jesse could do it, then certainly I can do this. Jesse's not special. Jesse's just another human. When my friend Gumby saw me stay sober at a, at a Grateful Dead run at Wrigley Field for three days and have a blast, all of a sudden he's like, holy damn. I mean, Jesse, he was the apocalypse. When he came into town, the world quaked because he would get so crazy crunked up. And if he can pull this off, I can pull this off. And he's gone off and done amazing stuff for himself in his sobriety and recovery. Because he realized, oh, wow. If he can do it, so can I. And I absolutely believe that Anybody can do anything they want if they desire to prioritize it and move forward on it each and every day. It was the meaning that my friend Gumby had attached to his addiction where he thought there's no way I'm going to be able to enjoy life and go to concerts and have a good time if I'm not still getting intoxicated. He saw me do it and he was able to shift his meaning of what it was like to have a fun life away from alcohol and drugs and towards a life of sobriety and recovery. He saw somebody else do it, it it enabled him to feel empowered to do it for himself, and he's gone off and he's created that. That's all of this. 
I talk about all of this stuff to empower you to motivate yourself off your couch and into your life. Whether you hear a word and it triggers you good or bad, right or wrong, negatively or positively, desirably or undesirably, all eight of those words have different meanings associated with them. And I do not control the meaning you have attached to them at all. What do you feel when you hear good, bad, right, wrong? Desirable, undesirable. You decide what that feels like inside of your body. The definition doesn't change for society, but how it feels to you changes. That just brings it into your awareness. Now it's up to you to consistently have the discipline to shift your meaning around that word until all of a sudden it no longer creates that charge. It no longer pisses you off or fires you up. If I say you are powerful, you decide if that word fires you up or not. You are a ball charged through the wall and seize the life you've always desired. If that fires you up, then it's because you've attached firing up kind of emotions around those words. If I say you're a loser and you're never going to be anything, you might as well just crawl into a corner and just cry yourself to sleep. You choose to feel something about that. You can be like, screw you, dude. I'm powerful. I'm a rock star. I'm going to definitely figure this out. Or you choose to say, you know what, that person's right. I'm going to let that person's opinion of me dictate where my life is going to go. When we were kids, and maybe we had a very, you know, let's just use the word bad parenting, and you're you're stupid, and you're never going to amount to nothing, and you've got to do this, or you're going to be a failure. When we're kids, we're being imprinted and implanted upon, and we have so little control over any of that. What kind of pushback is a four-year-old going to have on a 40-year-old if they call him stupid? But as you get older, it's your determination whether you are going to behave like somebody who is stupid or you're going to behave like somebody who is smart. Smart and stupid, right? Somebody could be a mathematical genius, but you get them out into the rain, uh, Amazon rainforest, right, where survival skills matter. And I don't matter. It does not matter at all if you know how to program a computer if all of a sudden there's snakes and, and spiders and ants that eat things alive in the Amazon chasing you. All of a sudden out there, somebody who's got survival skills might become the smartest person in the 150 kilometer area. But you take that person out of the Amazon rainforest and you smack them back down in the middle of Cupertino in Silicon Valley. Now everybody thinks they're an idiot. Smart and stupid is subjective to the perception of the environment and what's going on around you. Somebody who's super smart at cooking, but all of a sudden they're put in a position where cooking is not a skill that they need to have in that moment. They need to know how to change a tire. So great. You know how to bake 417 cookies at one time, but you can't change a tire. And guess what? There's bears chasing us and we need to fix our freaking tire. It doesn't matter how smart you are in a kitchen. In that moment, society dictates you're stupid. But again, it's all perception based on environment, time, location beliefs, values, opinions, skills needed in the moment or not needed in the moment. But it's all perception. It's all subjective perception. God, this stuff's amazing. This stuff is amazing when you just expand your mind around the subjective perception that meaning is attached to things based on however it's attached to things. Definitions of words need to exist or how do we even know how to use words appropriately? 
If we didn't have a meaning for the word tree or the meaning for the word water bottle, we might look at a tree and say, well, that's a really nice water bottle. And then somebody else walks over and says, well, that's a really nice bear. And they're pointing at the tree. And somebody else walks over and goes, that's a really nice jacket. And it's the same tree. And oh, that's, that's a really nice car. Same damn tree. We have to have definitions for words or we all just be talking a bunch of mumbo jumbo. At some point, everything had to have a meaning attached to it just so that we could communicate. But how we decide to communicate with one another is not how we have to communicate with ourselves. You choose how to communicate with yourselves. Our own self communicates with itself. And within that communication, all those voices in your head can either get on board with uplifting you or you, you can allow them to keep beating you down. The voices beating you down probably aren't even yours. Probably your parent or preacher, teacher, society, friends, family, whatever. Because you really wouldn't want to beat yourself down, right? That'd be like a, a kid punching themselves in the face because they, they fell down while they walked. Oh, you're stupid, stupid, stupid. Should have been able to walk, walk, walk. And it's like you started walking yesterday. Of course you fell down 15 times today. But it was in the act of pushing yourself up off the ground, getting back up on your feet, that you built up the strength to hold yourself up so you didn't fall anymore. Falling is what gives us the strength to stay upright. All those times we fell during our active addiction have made us stronger to support us during our sobriety and recovery. How you talk to yourself about your sobriety and recovery journey versus how you talk to yourself about your active addiction journey, that is going to determine whether you have a trigger around this is easy or hard or difficult or fun or miserable. It's all around the meanings you're attaching to things. I've just brought this into your awareness. What you do with it from here is all on you. If you'd like to know more about what it is I talk about to have more uh, attention brought into your life directly from me, join the hub, guys. Join the hub. So many of you have reached out and asked us to be able to support this show in one way or another. Look, if you don't want to support the show by joining the hub and actively learning deeper ways of connecting this material into your life, that's cool. You can jump over to Patreon, search Jesse Mogul or From Sobriety to Recovery, and you can just donate through Patreon. I'm fine with that too. If you don't want to actively dive deeper into this stuff, but you would love to support me, trust me, I could use some gas money going to addiction recovery centers. I could definitely use some money towards having all these these manuals printed out that I go and use at these places because this stuff ain't cheap. I spend a ton of money on this stuff to make sure that whenever I show up places, it can have the highest impact. So if you don't want to learn this stuff at a deeper level, but you want to support, go over to Patreon. I have created a way to do that. Search Jesse Mogul or From Sobriety to Recovery. You'll find me there. I would love that. I would also love for you to join the hub. Learn more about how your mind creates this reality, about personal responsibility. Next month, we're going to be diving into some seriously amazing stuff, taking six human needs on a whole nother level. It's going to be fantastic. And go over and check out my link for the Recovery Village. I'm going to put that over on Instagram. And uh, that'll be in Instagram, TikTok, in my link tree. It'll say Recovery Village presentation. So you'll have a chance to come check that out. It's absolutely free. It's being put on by the Recovery Village. I'm super pumped about that. Um, That's it. Much love, everybody. Inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives. Bum, 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 bum. Because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye. 